You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, and it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Week two of the CFL season is in the books. I'm Travis Curra here with Brazilian Tide, the Two and Out CFL podcasters. Austin on the YouTube channel writes, it looks like Brazilian Ty got a Brazilian on his face. I do like that. A little bit of throwback to the uh, OG days, how you got your name. Yeah, that was an experience. Can we believe that's coming up on eight years? That's nuts. And Winnipeg has probably gotten worse. <laughs> The team got better. Not the team. The <laughs> city in general. <laughs> how how was your weekend? I understand Rib Fest was in the border city. I had my own Rib Fest here at home today, and I'm still digesting. So good. Yeah. Uh, we ended up going to Camrose on Saturday for golf because Lloyd Course had a tournament. Oh, okay. Epic, epic comeback on the back nine to to win three and two and then end up winning the whole Nassau bet as well. Um, and then, yeah, we got back home. Uh, buddy had family in town. And so we took, we all went to Ribfest with five kids. <laughs> Man, I can't believe you agreed to that. <laughs> I was hungry. I was hungry. I paid $45. Hungry, uh, people will paid do $45 anything. for pulled pork, uh, ribs, a chicken thigh and a sausage and it was nothing that i couldn't have just made at home yeah it was it was so underwhelming but i did drink i did drink like 30 beer oh (laughs) (laughs) of course you did (laughs) i was i was thirsty after that i was so salty (laughs) week two started uh thursday night with the calgary stampeders beating the ottawa red blacks 26 15 uh yeah an ugly game um but here here's a question coming out of this game even if jeremiah masoli is not ready for the next game, is Nick Arbuckle going to start? Do, what, what's their options? I but you can't keep, you can't keep trotting him out there either. I'd say just give it to Tyree Adams and see what happens. Yeah. I, at, at this point, Nick Arbuckle is not a quarterback in this year. Like he's not good enough. Sorry, but it's just been year after year after year of you know he goes to Edmonton or he well he starts as a backup. We'd come in, we needed him. But I mean, that Calgary system was so good that he was able to to just manage manage the pieces properly. But now, like he he can't. He, I don't know if he can't or what it is, but it's been awful since he's been a starter. Well, it, it does appear that they're having problems getting uh, Jalen Acklin going. They moved him to slot back instead mm-hmm. of wide receiver last year, where he had, where he had a career year, and he, he's he's been off. Uh, there just really isn't. It, it appears like the receivers aren't doing what you would expect mm-hmm. of them, and they don't have a running game really. That that no. they handed the ball off five times in this game. That's so bad. You're not going to win no. if 
Like, look at Calgary, 19 carries for Diedrich Mills, 102 yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. That's going to wear down any defense. And I think credit needs to go to both defenses in this game. But look at Ottawa, just opportunities missed. The very first drive of the game, it's first and goal from the four. Three consecutive passes to Nate Bahar. They're all incomplete. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work the first time and it doesn't work the second time. It's kind of like when Edmonton tried to run the ball against uh, Saskatchewan on the one. Yeah. I mean, when you are down there, you have to come away with points. Um, I, I under, I completely agreed with them going for it, especially early. They've had trouble getting into the end zone. Uh, You don't want to be settling for field goals against Calgary, but uh, yeah, going to the well three like it's just it didn't work. I, like, and you're not doing anything special to get Napier away from anybody. It, it just it wasn't great. I like the aggressiveness because they needed to. I think, uh, but yeah, it just seemed inept by the third time. It's like this isn't going to work. Yeah, like it's like Calgary saw it coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. It's like tin cup. Yeah, <laughs> hitting the ball in the water on eighteen. Now so you're down to your last one. The ball ends up becoming a bit of a hot potato as the first half continued. Uh, Devonte Deadman he does get hit pretty hard, fumbles the ball. It is a Calgary ball, and they got a pretty short field. It ended up only being what a 21 yard drive, and mm-hmm. Calgary gets on the board with a major first. Ottawa did have the punt single, um, but they are up eight one after. Trey Odom's Dukes makes a great uh, catch on the two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. I think early in the season, we've seen a few receivers maybe show that they're poised for a breakout. Odom's Dukes might be one of them, and we're fresh off the Toronto-Hamilton game. Coxy might be yeah. another one of those guys. Oh, and, and Friday night, you want to talk about breakouts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would say two Rough Rider receivers in a losing effort. So I think we're going to start learning here some uh, Mm -hmm. new names when it comes to receiving talent in the Canadian Football League. It's also early. Yeah, it is. Where there's not a lot of film yet. Yeah. So I think defenses will adjust. But I mean, if these guys, like, momentum is a thing, you can keep carrying it. And if all they got to do is just be consistent, they'll easily put up. 12, 1,300 yards. Exactly. And then the next score ended up going to Calgary. Surprise, surprise, off of a, a fumble. Uh, Brandon Dozier r- recovers the fumble, pops out of Tyree Adams' hands, and takes it to the house. And then <laughs> it just continues to be like, and, and then Ottawa had an opportunity here when they forced a fumble from Calgary, right? They had the ball on the 11-yard line, and they walk away with a field goal. Well, that's it. So there's two drives early in the game. One ends on a turnover on downs, and then one ends in a field goal. I think at that point, they probably should have went for it there, too. I mean, it's just... I, you cannot pass up opportunities in any league, any sport, to score. Always comes back to bite you in the butt. I don't think Ottawa had a chance to win this game. I mean, the score is flattering, but there was some garbage time stuff. But especially a team like Calgary that just seems to capitalize on errors. That's it. 
if you're not putting points up when you have the chance and or you're only coming away with threes from 11 yards out, you, you deserve to lose that football game. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it, and I just think it's just demoralizing for the fan mm-hmm. base. Oh. And I can't blame them. Mm-mm. It's five consecutive seasons. I think they said five different quarterbacks on week one. Have you seen what the Red Blacks record is since they've come into the league? What is it? Their winning percentage is like 31. And it's incredible that they have a... And that, that includes a 12-win season. Three Grey Cup appearances. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, how does that work? It's wild. <laughs> so then, like, later in the half... Ottawa, Ottawa sports is a disaster. Right? Yeah. yeah. Alex Brink get once out. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's 15-4. The, the, the Red Blacks pick off Jake Mayer. So then they were, okay, opportunity Ottawa. Here mm-hmm. we go. Let's see what can happen. Pretty good field position. Very next then you, play. Then you remember who your quarterback is. Very next play. Nick Arbuckle is picked off by Micah Awe. And it's not a, like, it was right to him. Yeah. <laughs> it was a completed pass to Micah Awe is what it was. And I think kudos to Micah Awe. He had, what, 12 tackles in week one. And, and in this game... He's he's balling out, and this is what Calgary does. Maybe it is the system, funneling the ball carrier to that position on the mm-hmm. defense, but he's capitalizing, and he's playing good football early. And, you know, it, also that you want to talk about running the football and wearing down teams, getting hit by Micah Alway repeatedly will wear a guy out to the point where you don't want to run in the middle of the field mm-hmm. anymore, and you start running outside, and you're running – 30, 40 yards to game three. There was a, a cool video. I think Sarah Ann said is uh, uh, who shared it on Twitter. She talked to Micah Awe and his, about his path to the CFL. And it was a mistake while he played for in, in the NFL uh, in a preseason game. Uh, he was supposed to cover the running back, but he, didn't and he went and hit the quarterback which was Carson Wentz knocked him out of the game that hit got him noticed by the CFL into the game after Wentz gets hurt is McLeod Bethel Thompson so like that's that's how close these guys are on the Mm -hmm. bubble uh, on the NFL and how they can make it up here in in Canada just those little things that can make a difference one missed assignment exactly but still Still knocked a quarterback out of the game. Yeah, exactly. You, did, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. Without, <laughs> yeah, without rules, this is chaos. Yeah, yeah. the The guy can hit. He's a, he's a, he's a, an impressive player, and mm-hmm. he looks poised if he can stay healthy to have a big year for the Calgary Stampeders uh, this year. Now, towards the end of the half, first half there, Devonte Dedman's out of the game. So, if you had Brandon Dandridge being the one to take a kick to the house for the Ottawa Red Blacks on your bingo card, you're, uh, you're probably making some big money, Ty. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, those odds <laughs> would probably be better, or, well, I guess worse. No, it'd be better than Wyndham Clark winning the U.S. Open today. <laughs> exactly. Uh, don't get me started. Um, not, so, yeah, Dandridge gets that return, touchdown. You know what the geniuses 
at CFL Fantasy Football have done. That that touchdown is is Devontae Deadman's. Oh really? Oh yeah. I, I think we I think now's the time we gotta talk to stats, not necessarily uh just now I, I truly believe that the fantasy game needed a change. Uh I think the last two years it was kind of it was just there for them. Like the the, the formula and the salaries didn't make sense. Your your yeah. salary cap's forty grand and your top players are fourteen. It just doesn't make sense. No, so no. now they've upped it to seventy and now you're actually able to build a roster with a top tier quarterback. But And and you have to pick a defense and play which, properly. Which is good. Yeah. But now it, it it actually just feels like an incomplete product. I can't click on my buddy's username and look at his lineup. I the the way it updates and the way the CFL and that's probably why the fantasy game's struggling is because the CFL doesn't have its stats infrastructure ready to go. Maybe they did no. need a change, but the fact that we're here after week two and it's not what? ready. Why were we rolling this out a week before the season? I that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. If it wasn't ready, keep working on it and we'll do what we've done the last ten years with the stats that we had where I could go back and look at previous years. Games started, mm-hmm. targets. I could I could find anything from and I could go I could go by game on a player. Right now I can't do anything. Like it's so frustrating trying to find stuff. It's a critical time early in the season. I I know the the DraftKings partnership with the CFL kind of seems to have gone down a little bit, but the the betting has been a priority. But when you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The problem with the betting is, though, is that the odds are so bad. They are. Like, it's so tough to do anything. Yeah, they're never – there's never – any sort of odds that makes it worthwhile putting down no. uh, cash on it, which is, I, I guess, I guess the way it is when there's four games a week. But uh, it, it's been a kind of a frustrating start to the season because there have been explosive plays, there has been mm-hmm. uh, quality football, and I think the season has started off more on fire than we've seen over yeah. the past no. few years, but. And so, like, when, when we're watching a game or when I'm watching a game at home, I put on my laptop the play-by-play that they update. Yeah. It's so janky. Like, I'll lose an entire quarter because they just haven't updated it. Wow. Happened last week. Yeah. I, so then I got to wait for the, sta- I gotta wait on, for the but... stat sheets to come out. Then I got to go through it and make sure everything kind of lines up with what I've got. And then the stat sheets don't match the fantasy, fantasy stats. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Like it's it's embarrassing. I, and this I, is this is why people make fun of this league. I think uh, it's a skeleton crew since COVID. I don't think those people mm-hmm. have come back. And while rolling out this new system, while shutting down the old system, not not yeah. ideal here. But hey, hey, let's just talk about expansion. Yeah. And not what the problems are. Tyree Adams does start the second half for the Red Blacks. 
Look, he had about the same success, I'll admit, in this one as Nick Arbuckle. He actually had a uh, worse completion percentage. Some of these were just drop balls. Some of these were mm-hmm. balls the receiver should have had. He goes 9 of 17 for 129 yards with an interception. And then in the second half, maybe Ottawa's defense was starting to wear out. But they do have a fierce front. They do give teams trouble. Uh, but Calgary's offense started to seem sort of find a rhythm in the second half. And in the third quarter, they had a drive that was 88 yards that took almost six minutes off the clock. 21-12 for Calgary. Nice rush reference as well at that point. That was before, of course, the extra point to make it 22-12. But I had to do the 21-12. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> what stat sheet are you for? <laughs> but when when an offense can put together a drive like that and your mm-hmm. offense isn't succeeding on the other side, I think part of it is probably just the mindset with the fans and even the team. Just here we go again. Defeated. Just mentally exhausted, defeated, just done. Yep. Like Jeremiah Mazzoli was supposed to come in there and be the savior. Didn't start well last year. Then he gets hurt, and it's just snowballed into what we have now. Yeah. And it sucks because, you know, nobody has any bad words to say about Bob Dice and Kahari and, and the coaching crew they yeah. have there. Yep. Um, but if this season is another three-win season, like, I don't want to say you got a clean house, but something is wrong. And, and the coaches are going to be the ones to take the fall for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then the like front office and stuff like it's it's never the player's fault. Well, it is, but you know, it, guys are have contracts, and so you can't just get rid of them. Calgary goes to Ottawa, takes care of business. They leave with an eleven point win. Ottawa is demoralized again, zero and two to start the season. Calgary one and one against uh, a one and one Rough Rider team coming up this weekend, which that game is suddenly really interesting, real, real important. Can we talk about uh, Paradis's Jamie Borman impression. <laughs> He's been feisty to start the year. He's been a, in a. Oh, few I'd be tussles. feisty too if I missed my first three field goal attempts. I'd be pissed off. Yeah. He's. I, I think that 500 career field goals might be staring him in the face, hey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he needed, uh, what, three? Well, he only needs two now, I think. Uh, he went one for one mm-hmm. in in this one. Uh, but Jake Mayer, 22 of 33, 332 yards and an interception. It was an okay game. You want to see a major from him. He did have a rushing uh, major that he added. Uh, Diedrich Mills, he's maybe going to be my fantasy darling for the next little while here. If Kareem Carey's yeah. not going to be playing, Mills is probably going to be a must-have in your lineup. No, another thing, the blitz picks. Oh, well, Kadeem Carey was... Uh, have over under 75.5 yards this week. It's like, he's on this, just came into this, so I'm picking under. Yeah. Like, come on, you guys. Be There's better. Uh, Malik Henry, seven catches, 108 yards. Reggie Bagleton, eight catches, 141 yards. 
Uh, as for Ottawa, Quan Bray, their leading receiver, four catches, 95 yards. And uh, the rushing, DeMontre Tuggle, four carries, 20 yards. Wow. When your quarterback is putting up, your quarterback position is putting up 6.4 fantasy points in a game, you're not going to win that football game. Not happening uh, right now for the Ottawa Red Blacks. And at some point, even if Masoli comes back, you're still worried about mm-hmm. what the rest of the season looks like at this point. Winnipeg Blue Bombers go into Regina and they leave with a 45-27 win. It has been a while since I've seen a Rough Rider team lose by 18, but still the overall feeling was actually kind of positive. Like, Yeah, it's, that's weird. It, it, it's so weird to say. And yeah, they did lose by two scores. The Riders threw for over 400 yards in this one. The mm-hmm. offense really, I think, impressed and surprised a lot of people in Saskatchewan and maybe around the league. There were two 100-yard receivers, and that's not even the receiver that had three touchdown receptions for the Riders. Yeah. So the offensive performance, I, I think Trevor Harris played about as well as he could have, 29 of 41 Three touchdown passes. Now, there were some moments in the second half where there were some missed throws. The timing was off a little bit, uh, but he didn't turn the ball over. That's a positive. But Tevin Jones gets onto the roster as Darrell Walker is on the six-game injured list for the Riders. He has 14 targets, nine catches, 121 yards. Sean Bain, six catches, six targets for 125 yards. And Samuel Emilis, the first-round pick for the Riders last year, seven catches, eight targets, 77 yards, and a hat trick, three touchdowns. Talk about the Rough Rider offense, Ty. That's a pretty good performance. Yeah. um, Trevor Harris is the all-time leader in completion percentage, if I'm not mistaken, in the CFL. He's pretty accurate quarterback, and he's a lot, uh, he's a good passer. He's a great. Pa- he's a good passer. That offensive line a little bit reworked from what we had or what they had last season. Uh, you know, it's just a veteran quarterback who knows this league, who's been around, given some weapons, and making guys around him better. There's nothing wrong with this offensive. This is what they can do. Yeah, uh, you're putting up. 27 points on Winnipeg. Like that Winnipeg. Yeah. We talk about how good their defense is, but they have the reigning MOP. They've won two of the last three great cups. Like their offense puts up points. It's a big ask for your defense to stop that team right now. Yeah. They gave up 45, but the offense didn't give you much to worry about. And moving the ball short yardage, they were good. Uh, You know, big breakout plays to get out of their own end to set up stuff down the field. Like it was, it was fun to watch. And it's not something we're used to because Fajardo was always scatterbrained and happy feet and throw like, and just not, didn't seem ready. No, I'm not a coach. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you beat the Winnipeg blue bombers consistently. You, you have um, to cheat. 
it's really, I kind of wonder if what you have to do is slow down the pace a little bit. Saskatchewan didn't do that. They, they, they only gave Jamal Morrow the, the ball six times uh, for 25 yards. So if you want to point out a weakness, that's probably it. If you want to get into the quick strike shootout game with Winnipeg, it's clear you're not going to win. No. And that's it. Zach Kolaris, he, he only had 293 yards, but 74% completion. Yeah. He he balled out too. Um, this offense for Winnipeg, like you said, trying to like maybe the way to beat them is to slow the pace of the game down. But Winnipeg can do that too. They and can. hold on to the ball. That's and, it. You know, yeah. run the clock and just beat you down. And then mm-hmm. your offense isn't going to be out there as much. Like it's like, it's like the Islanders in 83. You have it. You got to build a team that you got to win one round. That's going to be skill. You got to win one round. That's going to be toughness. And one that's going to be system. And then you know one's kind of a crapshoot. You got to be able to play every different type of way. And Winnipeg can do that. So you want to try to slow the pace down. I think you play into their hand. Yeah. And but I, at the same time, but at the same time, you want to get into a shootout with them. It plays into like there's nothing that this offense is doing poorly right now. I mean, Oliver only had 42 yards, but kind of a one-off and they don't even have Kenny Lawler available right now mm-hmm. so Dembski shown even Wallatarski's getting into the action early he's got scores to his name and it's, they get and they get really good field position to start drives with Janarian Grant back there. yeah exactly and we'll get to Janarian Grant here um it's almost like a good boxer the Winnipeg Blue Bombers it's like it's the counter punch Mm-hmm. You, you take the lead on them, and then they hit you right back. Like, it was in the third quarter. Uh, the the Riders had a good start there. Harris goes six for six, 79 yards. He hits Samuel Emelis for that third touchdown. They take the lead. Winnipeg gets the ball and comes right back. Eight plays, 67 yards, and they punch the ball in with Drew Brown. It's just once you get a leg up, it's how Winnipeg answers. Mm-hmm. It's how, if it's second and twenty-eight, they're never out of a series. They're no. So well, and then so they get that Drew Brown touchdown. The Riders' next drive, the defense steps up, forces a two and zero, yeah. and that's the Grant return. Yeah, like it just kept snowballing. Is that I've seen rumblings of this people calling that one of the best maybe the best return touchdown in CFL history. Now I want to say, I want to say Brandon Banks in 2014, but it didn't count. <laughs> well, it is a, that mess. one was, that one was really good too. And maybe it's the timing. Like we've got, mm-hmm. it's an answer. After yeah. two and out after you scored, he run, he reverses field. Like it was, he broke tackles. Like it wasn't just, Pure speed, like there was a lot of skill there. Is is it now? My history might be off here, but is it the '87 Grey Cup? Gizmo Williams takes the missed field goal to the house. Like the fact that it's so. in a Grey Cup, like yeah. th- that is, and that's why Brandon Banks, like if mm-hmm. it counted, would be up there. And that was that. You didn't even need to make that block. He was already past him. Yeah, that's that's, that's the, worst the frustrating part. thing. Yeah, for him. Yeah. And uh, and the tie cats obviously. Now it it did seem like there were some backups. Like it, 
from a certain perspective, you look at that play and you say, that's some horrible tackling. Like, <laughs> Which is what we're used to on special teams in this yeah, league for, yeah, yeah. for the hey, most part. It, it makes exciting football. But, mm-hmm. man, everybody on that special teams had a shot at him yeah. and he, couldn't he, take him down. Arm tackles are not going to work. You have to drive through the guy's body. like Yeah. Yeah. No. Guys were out of their lanes. It just, it was just a snowball of errors. It was, it was awful. And I guess that's one thing about this game that sh- should be said. There was a flag thrown, the mm-hmm. command center, and there was, I thought, a pretty good explanation where they came out and said they looked at every possible block and they picked up the flag. But that wasn't the only time a flag was picked up. There was a pass interference earlier in the game where the, uh, Command center came in and corrected the call. I think it's good for the game if they're going to come in and correct these calls. And sometimes I see a ticky-tack illegal block that doesn't affect the return Mm -hmm. at all. And I'm like, do we really have to take back a 100-yard play to wipe that off? I think it's good for the game that they can that these plays stand. And the fact that they went through and corrected it, that's a good thing, even if it does yeah. hold things up a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I do like that. I just don't want it to be to the point where yeah, it's, you know, every time. But, I mean, it's a scoring play, so it's reviewable yeah. anyways. So, yeah. it's, I get, no, it wouldn't be a scoring play with the flag. Right, they threw it beforehand. Right. But, uh, yeah, they went so, and reviewed it anyway. Yeah. yeah, they went and reviewed it anyway. But like, I just don't want it to be to the point where we're getting six or seven of those. That yeah, makes sense. Or we don't we don't want an Angel Hernandez situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's good that a play like that lands. And there was a, I think, a high hit on Trevor Harris that ended up getting changed yeah, after the, the fact. He, too, it was so. he was he slid late. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, that I, I had no problem with that play getting picked up. Guy was already. Committed to the tackle before the, before he started to slide. He didn't slide very well, no, or anything. And it was late, so yeah, that one, I that one, yeah, that had to be picked up. So I guess that's the thing when, when you give up a special teams touchdown, those are just the daggers. I know that Calgary overcame it, but Ottawa's offense didn't do anything when Winnipeg's yeah. defense is flying, mm-hmm. and you can add a special teams touchdown. That's tough to overcome for any mm-hmm. team. And there was a decision that Craig Dickinson made in the fourth quarter. Saskatchewan down two touchdowns. He elects to kick the field goal instead of going for it. Afterwards, Craig Dickinson did say in hindsight, probably should have went for it at that point. And I, I think when Winnipeg's up on you, and you started to fall back a little bit, you kind of have to keep pace mm-hmm. with sixes instead of threes. I mean, a Craig Dickinson coaching blunder is not a surprise to the people <laughs> in Regina. Um, I, I don't, yeah. If if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think he's gone. Well, and, and all of a sudden... And, he gets, and that, he's been getting outcoached. Oh, he has. And... I think his brother and uh, Mike O'Shea, they make better decisions mm-hmm. uh, on a consistent basis. 
And that's part of the reason why those two teams are uh, near the tops of their divisions mm-hmm. all the time and on a, on a consistent basis. Now, with <laughs> they get their eighth choice on offensive coordinator, they do get Trevor Harris, but with the improved offense, I, I feel like there's been some new life or some new new hope for the team, which is kind of a different feeling than I, I think many had a few weeks ago. I think a loss to Winnipeg was not a surprise, <laughs> but the way it happened maybe is a surprise a yeah. little bit. Well, you know, the last couple of years, it just, the offense seemed inept. Like after, after they lost to Winnipeg in 2019 off the crowd, like off the uh, goalpost. Yeah. It kind of just started to go downhill from there. Uh, and yet the injuries to Cody Fajardo didn't help that. And the O-line being a saloon swinging door didn't help either. But now it just seems like every time they have the ball, there is a chance. Mm-hmm. It, it could be a two-play 90-yard drive where it's a big catch and run because they have the guys that can do that or they can beat you down and they got the guys that can you can play that short game you know, seven, eight yards of a play and, and get down the field. But there is a feeling there that every time the offense has the ball, they can score, which they haven't had in two years. Yeah. Uh, Dalton Schoen, he was the leading receiver for the Bombers. Eight catches, 12 targets, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Drew Wolitarski had five for 74 and a touchdown. Nick Dembski, five for 56. Uh, there for him... And <laughs> this this bomber team, it just doesn't seem like they have to try very hard. It it just feels it does feel effortless, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the continuity on that roster, uh, you know, Damsky, Wolitarski, Dalton Schoen was new last year, but he's back. Uh, Polaros, the O line, like everybody, like they know that playbook. Inside and out, they know where they need to be on every play. You're not they're not looking like Malik Henry was last week where he looked lost for an entire quarter. Yeah. Yeah. These guys it like we talked about how Calgary's plug and play. Winnipeg is feeling the same because all you gotta do is if you know your position and you know your play calls, you they they just find ways to get everybody the ball. This is an amazing stat. I, and two, like they run the same shit week in and week out, and nobody's stopping it. Yeah. So why change it? I, I think this is an amazing stat. Seventy percent of the second down plays, Winnipeg converted for first downs. So second downs of over seven yards to go. Winnipeg converted 75% of those for first downs. That's so demoralizing to a defense. Absolutely. Saskatchewan, they converted 46% of those. So when Winnipeg, three quarters of the time, second and long, and they're getting a first down, it's like where they're comfortable to be playing from. And, you know, they have the, the package for that. And they've run it so much and so many times. It's just, it's automatic, it feels like. Yep. Wow. And, and I mean, O'Shea and Buck Pierce, 
they need seven yards. That ball's not going two usually. It's going to go seven or eight. Mm-hmm. They're going to get it. Well, and like I mean, the Riders did run a crossing route on a th- on a second and long, a short crossing route. And yeah, they got it. Well, yeah, that's what a crossing route crossing route is designed to do is to separate the defense or se- get separation from the defense so you can get a run after catch and it worked. It's, it's those hook routes and and you know the stops that are a two yard short and the defenders right behind you. Well, you're not going anywhere. The Bombers have scored over 40 in their first two games of the season. They've scored 40 more points than the next closest team through two games. Yeah. (laughs) I think we get a rematch. But isn't this different from the, even when the Bombers, they won their first Grey Cup, it wasn't about the offense. No. It was about. It, it was. It was. How are they winning games with this offense? Because Zach Collins yeah. was an inch away from retirement. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's kind of the defense just has to make a few stops, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of defense, uh, or maybe it's a nept offense. It, uh, the, BC's defense had nothing to do with that win on Saturday. <laughs> well. Okay, so they shut out Edmonton twenty-two nothing. How rare is it a shutout? It's the third in franchise history for the BC Lions. They haven't done it since the late seventies. Edmonton hasn't been shut out since the seventies. Back when they were real, real bad. Yeah, exactly. So this is credit to Edmonton's defense, actually, for holding BC to field goals for most of the game. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any idea how hard this game was to watch this morning on PBR? Oh, I I can imagine. It was a struggle. I, I can imagine. I mean, LL Cool J starts it off, and uh, the BC Lions, they, they actually couldn't really get a rhythm going in, in offense. Uh, mm-hmm. Edmonton was giving them a little bit of trouble when – when they rush three and there's nine guys in pass coverage versus five receivers, I I feel like, <laughs> and, and that's been part of the thing with the CFL lately, a lot of the drop nine versus five receivers, just do the math. I, I, yeah. I realize there's a lot of field and a lot of receivers, but where there's two defenders. You can double defenders, three guys. Yeah. So, of course it's going to be hard on a quarterback. <laughs> Like what's going yeah. on here? So I don't know. I think you probably have to combat that by running it at them a little bit to make mm-hmm. them keep them honest and keep them at the line. But uh, that's what Chris Jones was doing, and I, I think he threw Vernon Adams off a few times and was able to limit to the Lions the field goals for most of the game. But the Elks' offense really did nothing. Uh, Taylor Cornelius, ninety-eight yards passing tie. That's a dog's breakfast. That's awful. First throw of the game is an interception. Gets called back, but still. Edmonton was trying to give the game to BC. Oh. <laughs> that interception calls back. I feel back. sorry for Andrew flying all the way out there and having to watch that live. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the same drive, Kyle Loxley fumbles it. 
but it's ruled that uh, uh, forward progress was stopped. So BC like thought they had uh, started Edmonton's trying to give BC the game. Yeah. The league is trying to keep Edmonton in it. <laughs> Man, and then and then Edmonton picks off Vernon Adams. Ed Ganey ends up fumbling that. BC gets the ball back and, and a fresh set of the, Yeah, in the process. So, like, and then after that, Kevin Brown fumbles. Yeah, like Chris Jones was not happy going into the half. Of yeah, he was he was not happy I mean, at I, all. You don't see him smile much. Yeah, but. It, it was nine nothing Lions at the half, which I, I think. <laughs> maybe that should have been considered like an all right road half for the Elks, probably as good as they could have hoped. But like, you got lucky. You didn't have four turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could have been a runaway for the lions in, in a hurry. And I know it's not 59, 14, like last year, <laughs> but when you get shut out in the Canadian football league, a lot went wrong. Also, BC kicked two field goals in a minute <laughs> because the Elks' offense was so bad. Now, there's a lot of talent on the offense. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that. There is a certain position that doesn't contribute a lot right now on the offense, and I think we all know what position that is because the receivers – that they have should be pretty easy to get them the ball. Taylor Cornelius had a pretty nice uh, efficiency rating, though, 69.9. Oh, yeah, okay, well, maybe he's in the MOP conversation. <laughs> <laughs> now, B- BC's defensive line was all over him. Now, yeah. it, it, is it the offensive line... And Cornelius, one or the it probably is a combination, but probably a combination. It does seem like there's some struggles on the O line for Edmonton too. Mm-hmm. And that, the young kid, like you know, you want him to have time and be comfortable back there, but it's just not happening right now, and it's not helping. Um, like we saw it, we saw what happened with Fajardo with a bad offensive line. Edmonton's going through it right now, but they got to figure it out. And then after the game. Chris Jones comes out and says, no, we have our quarterback. So there's a vote of confidence. There's your kiss of death. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the godfather. Yeah. <laughs> How long's that leash? That's the thing. Like if they go three and thir- three and 15 this year, is Jones still there? I think Jones is there now. But, but then what do you do with the quarterback position? Cause who do you go? Who do you go try to get? Now this was they, kind they've of, already got to be thinking about trades. They have to be already. Here now, here's the thing with Chris Jones. Towards the end of his tenure in Saskatchewan, there was not good quarterbacking there. Now, the beginning of his tenure in Edmonton, he kind of inherited a little guy called Michael Riley, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're back into those issues, I think, that he had in Saskatchewan with uh, the the poor quarterback play, are they going to be able to – is the guy on the roster that's going to help them? Here's the thing. We we saw what Toronto looked like against Hamilton. They're coming to town. 
Mm-hmm. And th- that's not an easy assignment for Taylor Cornelius. Mm-mm. So they it, made Bo Levi Mitchell look real bad. Is this going to be Trey Ford's team? They, they <laughs> so Edmonton does have Toronto, and then June thirtieth, they're in Ottawa. So <laughs> something's got to give, or is Great it the movie. is it the tie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like something has to happen. Like you would think that that's a free space, but the way that Edmonton's played these first two weeks, it's not a free space on the bingo card. That might be a six-three game at this point. Both defenses are pretty, pretty good, and they'll be given what a the... long weekend game that'll be. <laughs> Friday night football, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> now for. For BC, they they did what they had to do. Vernon Adams, 25 of 35, 312 yards, the interception and the touchdown, and the touchdown comes in the second half. Much like Calgary, they come out after the break and then they they look better. Because, mm-hmm. let's face it, in the fourth quarter, it kind of looked like BC was just trying to kill the clock. And they had the ball for over 12 minutes. And Edmonton, yeah. it, it honestly I mean, looked twice. like maybe they were exhausted, but it kind of looked like they didn't care. And that's bad in week two. At that's least bad that's, at, that's bad at any time. But if, if you're picking like, if you can see body language and you think it doesn't yeah. look very good and it's, it's early, it's early. That's not a good sign. Yeah. they. If, they you, were, if we notice it and you notice it, Chris Jones definitely noticed it. Yep, to me, they looked like sort of like Ottawa, where it was just here we go again, going through the motions. That's yeah, that, that's what it looked like to me. It's like so, the Oilers. <laughs> hey, well now they're a a playoff team, right? So <laughs> yeah, so are the Leafs who won the same amount of rounds. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in the in the second half, BC had a scoring drive, five plays, sixty-two yards. Uh, that made it eighteen nothing. Dom Rhymes getting the touchdown there, uh, and then, like you said, the fourth quarter, BC had a fourteen-play, sixty-one-yard drive that ate half the quarter. Then they had a ten-play, seventy-four-yard that ate over four minutes. That was the end of the game. They, yeah. they probably could have had it for another if the field I, was. I think Edmonton only got the ball twice in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and look, we know the rules. That if they would have been able to get the ball, they they could have made it interesting at least. Mm-hmm. But or at least save some pace. Yeah, when the offense is doing nothing, and then the defense just has no more fight left. Mm-hmm. That's. That's just what happens. The Elks had 146 yards in net offense, while the Lions had 419. (laughs) My God. Second down conversion rate for the Elks, 29%. (laughs) That is awful. 
the Elks now have the reigning Grey Cup champs in the Toronto Argonauts to deal with. <laughs> it's not going to be an easy assignment, but Ty, the Thursday nighter we have to look forward to because it's BC, Winnipeg. What are we going to get at IG yeah. Field? Uh, a pretty good game. That's what I would say. <laughs> it will be a fun one. Those reigning Grey Cup champs lifted their banner. I thought it was pretty cool. They they had the balloon there to raise the banner before the game. The Argos. Beat- I think it's great that there's so many Hamilton fans there, and they all got replica rings too. Thirty-two <laughs> fourteen, the final score. The Argos stomp the Tie Cats. Chad Kelly making his second career start. And now let's face it, the Tie Cats aided. That first uh, touchdown drive <laughs> from the Toronto Argonauts. 23 yards in penalties. Yep. Like, you, you don't need a belly-to-back suplex. No. When you're helping like, a guy along, that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There was a suplex and there was a pass interference, I think, on that drive. Roughing yeah. the passer. Oh, yeah, the roughing the passer. So uh, Toronto Argonauts get on the board uh, first with that single, and then they uh, get the touchdown on the Chad Kelly uh, rush. He kind of uh, uh, made Ja'Garrett Davis, uh, turned him inside out on that Mm -hmm. touchdown run. It was a pretty impressive one. But then in the process, I think – like I mentioned earlier, uh, DeMonte Coxey is going to be maybe a player to yeah. watch for the Toronto Argonauts because he uh, had six catches, 131 yards in uh, this one. Very productive by far. Well, he was the most productive receiver in the game uh, on, on both sides of the field. But uh, how did you think Chad Kelly looked in this one? Um, like a serial killer. <laughs> His eyes, man. I'd be like, don't look at me, man. The only thing he was missing was grinding his teeth. (laughs) It would have been pretty obvious as to what happened, but he's a terrible interview. Like, I'm done with that. He's an interesting cat. That's That's, all. That was was awful to watch. Uh, On the field stuff, though, there was not a lot of uh, complaints. I mean, 14 to 23 for 213, that's not a great night. But you, you put the ball in the end zone three times on the ground. Yeah. Like, three rushing touchdowns. And that's the – he's big. He's strong. Mm-hmm. He's athletic. And the big pass, he had a 59-yard reception uh, or pass to, to Coxey. And just when you, you think the Ticats could keep up in this one. And here's the thing with the Ticats, again, it's just missed opportunities, right? Uh, Picked off twice in the end zone. Exactly. Uh, there was a big drive from the Thai Cats. Ten play, sixty yards. This is when it's only one nothing Toronto. Five minutes off the clock. I don't know what Bo was trying to do. If he was trying to throw the ball away, ended up he was scrambling a little bit. I don't know if he thought the receiver was going to kind of go back into the end zone a little bit or something. And yeah, it was it was a terrible throw and a great athletic play by the yeah by the DB to make that catch. But like yeah, you get that. Um, and then, uh, not that one, but the, 
it was the second pick by Amos there. They Toronto comes back and scores on that ensuing drive. Like that's a set. That's a fourteen point swing. Well, the 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 first interception Toronto scored on that too. Uh, there's mm-hmm. the interception, then the penalties, then the touchdown Toronto, and then yeah. Toronto picks off <laughs> Bo again and turns. He did it into not. He a, looked awful tonight. Awful. He was he was under fire. Like last year, I think at times he was just straight up missing throws. This time, I don't think I. He missed a few. But he was also – Toronto was on top of him right away. Mm-hmm. And l- last last year it did appear that maybe he was missing throws or he had time to make. But – well, it looked like they were going to make a game out of this when it's yeah. 8-6. The Ticats had a rushing touchdown, which is completely different than what we've become yeah. accustomed to with the Ticats. Yeah, the world is on fire. <laughs> James, uh, Tiger Cats are scoring rushing touchdowns. I don't know what's next, <laughs> but it's not going to be good. <laughs> so at that point, it was 8 6 Toronto. And then uh, Toronto just answered back with a touchdown, 14 uh, 6. And really from there, Hamilton had zero momentum. I, there's like, what else do we do? You're right. After that, it's 15-6. Amos has the interception in the end zone. The Toronto has a five-play, 80-yard drive in just over a minute and then extends the lead there just then before I had a the nap half. During the, then I had a nap during the third quarter. Yeah, nothing happened in the third quarter, but that Argo defense <laughs> picking right where they left off last year. The defensive line is all over the Ticats. Darius Pickett comes over from Montreal, makes an impact right away. They, <laughs> I don't like this overreaction theater, man. But they, they look like the class of the East again. Mm-hmm. They look really good. Uh, Hamilton looks like they're just, something's wrong. Um, I mean, the East is it's going to be a dumpster fire, but we're going to have two playoff teams from there. So it, these are the two teams that are that it's going to be. Yep. More than likely, unless unless Montreal somehow beats out Hamilton, but I think the, lo- the the further into the season we get, I think the better Hamilton will get. Probably, yeah. Uh, just with the familiarity between Bo and the receivers and stuff, but yeah, like Toronto, just they look like what they are, which is reigning Great Cup champions. Like it wasn't even close. Like the the score looks okay at half and stuff. Like yeah. only down, you know. 15 22 22 6 but yeah when you're down 15 6 you're definitely not out of it 22 6 start with how inept it was it started to look like it was over already so Bo does end up leaving the game hurt it looks like he had ice on his quad so we'll see if that does affect him going forward but uh chad kelly i don't know if you want to call it a game manager game there were some big uh, plays that he made, especially with his legs, but mm-hmm. finishing drives and taking advantage of those opportunities off of turnovers. Yep. For a second career start, I, I don't think Toronto could ask for anything more, really. Did Beatty only have the one field goal? He did, yep. And that's the thing, finishing drives. Yep. That, that goes a long way without just kicking field goals from Remember the six. Remember when we were ma- 
Remember when we were making fun of how bad Ryan Dinwiddie was? Now this team is looks like they're going to go on another huge run. Yeah, he's able to keep them together and uh, yeah. keep them focused and a lot more disciplined than I think we've seen in the past because the Ticats, I, I think we were expecting them to take silly penalties, but we haven't seen them from the characters maybe we thought we would see them from, right? Yeah, like you, would, I would have expected Lawrence to at least have three <laughs> fifteen yarders by now. Duke's been quiet, mm-hmm. uh, and I know the Ty Cats had seven penalties, but it was for fifty-one yards. Yeah, the Argos not, had not terrible nine for seventy-four. And I think one thing I've noticed this season is that not every little uh, piece of contact made is called pass interference. Mm-hmm. But I like that. I um, play a little bit. Yeah. And but I, I'm not sure if the coaches are used to it yet. <laughs> They're yeah. challenging things that probably got overturned in the past. They're not and, getting overturned now. Yeah. Um yeah. you mentioned you mentioned discipline with Hamilton. The infighting that Tim White and Tyler Turnowski on Tim that, White gets nailed on a screen a pass. Screen that Turnowski did blow the blow the assignment, did not block. But like that stuff you gotta deal with. You can't do that out there. At least he did. I was wondering to see if he would congratulate him later on. Turnowski did mm-hmm. have a touchdown catch when it didn't oh, matter anymore. Heat of the heat of the moment. Like, yeah. yeah, you're pissed at the guy because you just got lit up. I get it, but that's part of discipline, though. Too is yeah. Okay, we'll talk about it. You know, on the sideline or at half. Like I didn't like that on the field. Yeah, uh, Matt Schiltz is <laughs> uh, the one that came in late. Look at that, those stats, man. 13 of 14, 115 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> He's better than both. He was. And I know that's the point of the game when the Argos are up by three scores and they're 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 probably playing pretty yeah. vanilla at that point. And then Hamilton <laughs> runs two of the same two the same play back to back. Yeah. <laughs> for a touchdown and then a two point. So hey, they did get a score later in the game and I think the Argos really kind of did uh, lay off the gas a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo, eh, 16 to 24, 158 yards and two ter- like interceptions in the end zone. I don't know. Maybe it's the Argos. That, the first one, if you're going to – if I, I, I'd chalk it up to miscommunication because if he's trying to throw it away, that's going to go out the back of the end zone. Yeah, yeah. That second one, double coverage it's on the sideline, like – that's an ill-advised throw. Yeah. I, I've i watched the Stampeders personally lose two Grey Cups to the uh, Toronto Argonauts, so maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still got some demons. Yeah. <laughs> and as for the Argos, last year, it took them forever to get a rushing touchdown. Well, they had four in this one. But, sorry, last year it took them forever to get a rushing touchdown from somebody other than a quarterback. A quarterback. <laughs> and Andrew Harris had a rushing touchdown. He only had three carries, 24 yards. A.J. Olette, 13 carries for 60 yards. Uh, but the Ticats, 16 carries. They didn't have much success. There was just over four yards a carry. I mean, maybe that is a, a silver lining <laughs> that they're getting the running back involved they're, a little they're bit. They're trying. Here. But uh, that Argo defense, 
uh, said it before, they are a team to look out for this year. And maybe I underestimated Chad Kelly leading that offense, I will admit right now. Uh, how, how could you underestimate somebody we haven't seen do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Now, he worked on that second uh, team offense last year mm-hmm. in practice with DeMonte Coxie, so maybe that is the reason they've got a connection right off the yeah. bat here, and maybe that one will continue to be a connection to watch as the season goes on. Uh, who are the fantasy leaders for week two? I think we're going to be seeing some pretty surprising names up there. So, full disclosure, that's... <laughs> The fantasy site didn't have the scores up. Oh. When you clicked on the player, like they had them up for like the first game of the week, but the rest I couldn't get right now. Okay. So I had to do it myself. But the stats I used are different than the stats you said on some of these. So who knows (laughs) what they're using on the website? We're just pulling these out of our hat. (laughs) Yeah. So quarterbacks, Harris was number one, Chad Kelly number two, Zach Colorado was number three. So you had top three quarterbacks in that Friday night game. And I mean, yeah, Harris threw over 400 yards. Uh, running backs, James Butler, which was surprising to me. But I mean, with the touchdown and the receiving yards, catches yeah. at, a, at a point per catch. Uh, Diedrich Mills, 15 8, Mazel at 15 5. And then for wide receivers, uh, Emilis, obviously number one, 32.7. Wow. And then Dalton Schoen, 28 5, Reggie. Bagleton at 20.8, Coxie at 19.1, and uh, Sean Bain Jr. for the Riders at 18.5. So you're fifth. Yeah, you mentioned that about uh, James Butler. I know Duke Williams, he had six uh, catches, nine targets, mm-hmm. 102 nice. yards. Uh, James Butler, seven catches, 57 yards. So he had 114 yards in offense. Mm-hmm. In uh, in that game, uh, oh, as far as, Travis Kerr, a quick math guy. Yeah, look at that. Uh, as far as I go, my fantasy, like everybody's complaining about the website. This is the best start I've had to a fantasy year <laughs> in a while. Uh, I, I I'm just, not even picking a team, but I still get points. <laughs> I just had a win against uh, Safamod. Uh, so I'm 2-0 and in the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. I'm in the big uh, CFL Fans Fight Cancer Fantasy League. Uh, second overall, but I've been pretty consistent. 115 points uh, in each week so far. I don't do I- that. So when am I going to come crumbling down? Oh, soon. Very soon. <laughs> um, so... The AI has just been making picking my team. It, oh, how it's are terrible. you doing? Oh, I got eighty-seven points this week. Oh, uh, at the Red Blacks defense. <laughs> uh, I had Tyree Adams as my starting quarterback. <laughs> I um, want to see if I can beat the AI Brazilian tie team. Oh, Dom Rimes was actually the second leading receiver. Oh, okay, okay, thirty-two point six points because he's on my roster. I had Rimes and Schoen. And a guy that didn't even play oh. for Toronto. As a stats guy, this m- must be just driving you up the wall. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so we will call that the end of uh, our week two recap uh, of the 2023 CFL season. Will stats be ready to go for week three? Yeah, no, I'd have a laptop. 
and okay. it's green. I can see, and I'm not golfing tomorrow. We we might need a live feed of Brazilian Ty's laptop on uh, Twitter. You might be our only hope to have uh, good stats, man. Do you just call me Obi Wan? <laughs> Brazilian Ty, a new hope. <laughs> I like it. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can support the show on Patreon. You can like and subscribe on YouTube as well. A lot of people that have been has, has audio my mom given us money yet. Is who? My mom. No, she hasn't. <laughs> Selfish. <laughs> Come on, it's like our allowance. Yeah. <laughs> so we can continue to. Yeah, exactly. Be degenerates. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, We'll talk to you this upcoming week to get you ready for week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.